Your user experience also exists outside of your website, outside of your product. It exists in all of the interactions that you're having with your user. And regardless of whether or not you're intentionally making those interactions good or bad, it is going to be perceived by the end user, by the customer. And so that all kind of comes together to create the overall user experience. So like you can be over here optimizing your website to be super user friendly, but if, you're, if your customer support isn't customer friendly, then that's going to hurt the overall experience that the customer has with you. Hey, welcome to the UX and Growth Podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm a UX engineer at HubSpot. And I'm Austin. I'm a UX designer at HubSpot. Uh, today, Matt is not here. He's on vacation. He's on a cruise, and we're all very jealous of him. Um, and so what we're going to do instead is talk about something that he did not uh, bring up at all. We just picked a new topic. Uh, today, we're going to talk about human-to-human um, -human user experience, um, specifically things that don't occur inside your application, some ways in which um, your business uh, still delivers use, a good user experience, but it, um, you know, without the use of technology per se. Um, mm. Austin, you have a really good example. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so first things first, uh, I just want to point out that Matt actually didn't know where he was going on the cruise. Oh, really? So, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Matt like right before he left, and I was like, "Oh, cool, dude! Like you're going on a cruise." And I was like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "I don't know." His like he just <laughs> let his girlfriend pick a place. Nice. And so we actually have we know that Matt's on a cruise, but we don't know where he is. He could be somewhere in Africa or somewhere in Asia. <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea. But hopefully, he gets back to us safe for the next episode. Yeah, I hope that. <laughs> <laughs> Once he got like halfway through the cruise, he found out where he's going. And he's just like, oh crap! <laughs> I didn't want to go to Zimbabwe. Yeah, right. I'm just gonna stay in my room. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we've we've got some cool uh, cool stuff to talk about with what Jeff is calling human to human UX, which I think is a really good way to put this. It's basically like the UX that goes beyond just what, you know the interaction that's happening on the website or in the product. <clears throat> So uh, the first the first one that I thought of like as a good example of this was actually uh, it came to me this morning when I was putting my shirt on. <laughs> so I'm wearing a mixed panel shirt right now. Yeah. And this shirt was sent to me for free by the company. And basically, the way that it works is like mixed panel is a lot like Google Analytics, but the difference is that it's a completely custom installation. Yeah, the difference is that it's completely different than Google Analytics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm trying. It's an analytics platform, right? right? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, but so you have to custom install everything, like create custom events, and so a lot, like a lot of their user success is based on whether or not you actually create those events. So they have this little program set up where it's like, okay, if you create your first event and start tracking however many events, then we'll send you a free t-shirt. So that's like the incentive that when they did, have. When did that start, by the way? Uh, because I've, I've been using Mixpanel for years and never got And you never got a shirt? Never, never, ever, ever. <laughs> I'm pretty mad about that, actually, because <laughs> I'm like a power user on Mixpanel. I've used it for tons of projects. I'm going to call them after this podcast is done. Yeah. Be like, they'll send they're going to check out my number and they'll be like, whoa, 
We're going to send you like 10 t-shirts. <laughs> I don't know if that's something they can do, but I'm hoping. Yeah. yeah they're not going to upsell. Anyway, so the, um, they, they'll send you this t-shirt as like an incentive to get you to continue using their product. So it's a nice part of like, I think their onboarding process. Um, a couple other companies that do similar things to this are Wistia. So that's a video company that we work with here at HubSpot. And InVision, which is the like that prototyping and review software right. that's basically like the king uh, in the industry right now. So if you use their software for a certain amount of time, they'll send you a free t-shirt. So I think that's like one one cool way that, you know, we're seeing like these extra moments of delight is like companies, um, you know, they notice that you're working with them and then they'll send you like a personal email and then they'll send you some swag. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. But uh, beyond that, like, um, I, I'm all, I was also thinking about stuff like, you know, where you get interesting phone calls or interesting social media interactions um, or even cases where like, when you order something uh, and it shows up at your door, you'll have like a personalized note in oh, it. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, so um, I, it's like the one company, we'll just dive right into this company, is uh, we've been interacting with a company called Sweetwater, sweetwater.com, um, who does, who's basically, we, we've been buying our, our podcast recording equipment through them. And um, they do two of these things, which uh, we're listing. One is the interesting note plus candy and like that's like a pretty i mean it's just like you know it's like a little play on like their like the sweet water like we have like sweets and we put it in like you know that's cool to get like a like a thank you note and like they fill it full of like tootsie rolls or something like that um before you get the package though if you're a new customer um they have one of their employees or in matt's case the ceo apparently that's a weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> see we're actually not really sure if that's true um hey Sweetwater, if you're listening to this please confirm that that was actually the ceo because that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's a big company yeah. in Indiana. Wow. So. so maybe, yeah, we definitely want to know that because that would be like like that kick-ass CEO. Yeah. Um, and, but w they'll give you a phone call. like As soon as you place your order. Yeah, It's exactly. like within five minutes of placing your order, somebody calls you. Yeah. And uh, if you don't pick up, they still leave a message, which is really nice. That was mm -hmm. my case. Um, where I don't pick up my phone for like anything unless I have the contact yeah. in there. Not the debt collector. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Uh, the, the, uh, yeah, but they call you and they they basically show you right away, like, hey, one, there are people here who care. And mm -hmm. two, we care about you specifically and we want you to know that. And that's great. Like, that's about as close as you can get to having somebody just like come to your house and shake your hand. Yeah. You know, and like a lot of these examples are trying to close that gap. Like it doesn't get much better than that. You you lose some of the human element in building technology because, you know, there's no actual people. It's machines delivering this information, you know, a derivative of the information that you created as a person. And, like, by bringing the people back in, like, you get those delays. It's actually, I almost think it's easier to delight if you can manage to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh, real people. Mm -hmm. Now I feel good about it's that. It's a very simple, like, it's it's simple... Uh, to get it's simple and easy to get to a point of delight in a lot of cases It's not something that you have to like run some type of study on it's like, oh, right. how do we delight the customer? It's like uh, create a human interaction. It's it go back to very, you know, simple business practices that have uh, Caused other companies to be known as beacons for good customer service right. and like in in the case of my experience with Sweetwater like the, the 
I actually, I ordered the, like my, my, I think of like my user flow, you know, and my customer journey with them. And I think that a, a big theme that we can pull out of this is that UX actually also exists. If you're, if you're a B2C company, especially you, your user experience also exists outside of your website, outside of your product. It exists in all of the interactions that you're having with your user. And regardless of whether or not you're intentionally making those interactions good or bad, it is going to be perceived by the end user, by the customer. And so that all kind of comes together to create the overall user experience. So like you can be over here optimizing your website to be super user friendly, but if your if your customer support isn't customer friendly, then that's it's like that's going to hurt the overall experience that the customer has with you. So I think about the experience that I had with Sweetwater and it started with Jeff was like, you know, we were like, okay we're actually gonna do this podcast thing, so we should probably buy some microphones. Because classically, we were just using Jeff's microphone. Yeah, we were like huddling around a microphone or two, or like a microphone that wasn't fit to be a recording microphone. It's like a teeny pencil microphone and yeah. stuff like that. So like, we were just like, we wanna be big boys with a big boy podcast, let's go, <laughs> let's go buy some equipment. So, so you sent me a link to a mic on Sweetwater, hmm. and I went to it and I was like, oh, this is cool, like this is, like I you know, trust Jeff's recommendation, I think I'm gonna buy this one, but it looks like this company that he sent me is actually an audio specialist company, so I'm thinking I'm probably gonna pay more, so I'm gonna actually look on Amazon and see if it's cheaper there. Well, I did that and it wasn't cheaper, it was the same price, so then I was like, okay, I mean, if Jeff recommends this site, like I'll just, I'll buy it from this site and see how it goes. Um, bought it, and then within five minutes, I get a call from Jorge, and he's like, "Hey, Austin, just wanted to check up on you. Like, thanks for you know placing your first order with us. Um, we there's a couple things I want to go over. Like, he wanted to make sure that I had a signature at at the door when the package was delivered, and then he wanted to tell me about another microphone mm. option that he thought might be better for what I was trying to do, because I told him I was like, you think about it, all those things that he said, you could put on a web page after you've confirmed. Yeah. You know, like this is the stuff that it's just like, how important is it? It's important enough that we want to call you, um, including our uh, chance to try to upsell you. Yeah. You know, um, I think that that's like, consider that option, you're like, well, okay, keep telling the story because like this has uh -huh. a lot to do with it. Yeah, so Jorge ends up upselling me to the microphone that yeah, I'm using boom, now. That's what I'm yeah, about. I paid like an extra seventy bucks, and you know what? I was happy about it. It wasn't like you know, oh, okay, I, I'm just gonna do this because the specs seem better. It was like what made me happy about that upsell beyond just the fact that I got a better microphone was like I had an interaction with somebody that was recommending someone or something to me, and he even he was like. Oh, dude! I'll check out your podcast. I love podcasts. These are the ones that I listen to. Like we talked for a couple minutes about yeah. this stuff. Jorge, <laughs> if you're out there, you should check out the podcast if you haven't already. <laughs> because Austin remembers. Like you're affecting people's lives, Jorge. Yeah. So anyway, then I like get my microphone within a couple days, and then we were like, oh, we should buy mic stands. You know. So. I had such a good experience with Sweetwater. I'm like, I'm gonna go back there. I mean, why even look on Amazon? Right. So I go back and I buy a, a mic stand. Within five minutes, Jorge calls me, yeah. like same guy. Yeah. He's like, I pick up the phone, I'm like, hello? And he's like, hey Austin, it's Jorge, checking in on you again. <laughs> you know, like same thing. He's like, just wanna make sure that we get the signature for when your package gets there. And he didn't even try to upsell me this time because yeah. it's like, it's a mic stand. It's not yeah. like a super complicated thing. It's your thing. second purchase too. So it's like yeah. he kind of won in that mm -hmm. respect. Yeah. And so now here we are, like, seriously. Still waiting for our mic stands and our equipment. It's only <laughs> been like three days. It's not, not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But like from now on, like whenever I want to buy audio equipment, I'm going to go there because I've had such a good experience with them right. beyond just the website. I mean, actually, if we look at the website, like it's it's a, just a pretty standard e-commerce Yeah, it's website. pretty typical. It doesn't yeah. like blow you away. Yeah. So I think that those are like there, there are a lot of cool over the phone interactions that you can have with your customer, whether it just be like through customer support or like, you know, uh, a post sale call. And think about the things that the company can get out of that as well. Like there's definitely beyond just keeping the customer happy. Like there's a lot of benefit that Sweetwater gets from having Jorge call people. Right. I mean, he upsold me to a more expensive microphone. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a couple of asterisks, I assume, mm -hmm. with that. So like imagine if Jorge called you and skipped most of the other stuff and went straight to upselling, yeah. you know? Like that's not a good interaction because it's like, why do you still want more from me? Like stop doing that. You know, it's like invasive. Mm -hmm. But Jorge, and so Jorge called you and told you a bunch of stuff that you needed to know to help you basically get your package better, Yeah, you know? Um, which is super helpful. And then it's just like, oh, thank you for that. Now I'm receptive to whatever else you have to say. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like advice, yeah. not necessarily a planned upsell, which it was, mm -hmm. um, definitely was. And then when he called you a second time, it was the same guy. And yeah, he basically treated huge. it like an account management type of thing where he like, he's like assigned to you mm -hmm. and he calls you again. And that's, that's really big because then you start to build like a, even though you probably, you're probably never gonna meet Jorge. Mm -hmm. um, Never say never, though. And but he like <laughs> he he gets the chance to kind of build a little bit of a personal interaction, and it's the kind of stuff that like as you're exposed to a person over time, you you know because where people existed far before all of these other technologies, and like we're built to be able to kind of absorb and make mental shortcuts about people's personalities and things like that. So like you basically like get to know Jorge, and mm -hmm. you can ask him questions, and you can be like, all right, well like. Um, you know, he's a reliable source for information from this company and like you could probably even give him a call if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really big because uh, while you're doing that, all of your thoughts about buying musical equipment are directed at Sweetwater. And they're not, mm -hmm. you know, you're not really thinking about going to Amazon. You're like, I should probably ask Jorge or like yeah. something along the lines of that. And that's huge because you've just, you know, you now have a repeat buyer in your business. Mm -hmm. um, and like they're like three out of three with us right now. Yeah, so, they're doing well. Yeah. And I mean, I think about like, I've been buying stuff from Amazon for, I don't know, what, like 10 years or something like that? Yeah. Easily. Uh, never had an issue. It's always been like a great transaction. And somehow it was so easy for Sweetwater to steal my business yeah. in this particular category. And I really think that it's because of that additional interaction yeah. that we had. If you, if they were selling something that you knew a lot about, so like you've admitted to me straight up, you're like, I'm not totally sure which one's mm -hmm. the best to get and things like that. Um, if they were selling something like, I don't know, laundry detergent, like something you probably don't mm -hmm. care that much about or something that you know a lot about and you're like, you know, I don't need any extra handholding to do something like that, you could probably jump on an Amazon, like no problem. Like even if there was a Sweetwater yeah. version of a laundry detergent site, yeah, that's you know, a that's a good point. You're like, thanks for calling me about that, but like, it's laundry detergent. Like, I yeah. just don't. It's not gonna affect me. You know, yeah. if it's like bigger, like bigger purchases that last longer, I think you can. You They're have like more, more important yeah, purchases. Cars. Mm -hmm. Cars are a huge example. Yeah. My my father will not buy a car from a place that he hasn't built some sort of relationship with. Mm -hmm. Like he thinks that that's super important. Um, there's a lot I think he needs to learn about like how 
car sales work. It's mm-hmm. like terrifying nowadays, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the the idea is that, you know, if it's gonna last you a long time and you have to make the right decision the first time and yeah. there's not a lot of chance to back out, um, you know, you're relying on essentially a recommendation from the person that works there mm-hmm. um, or some sort of expert, you know? So this is interesting because I think that like the the approach that Sweetwater is taking is a certain approach that works for a certain type of product in a certain type of realm, you know? Uh, But that's not, and that might not necessarily work for laundry detergent or for toilet paper or something like that. But that's not to say that there aren't additional interactions that exist outside of the marketplace or outside of the product that the company, where the company can go above and beyond and still like improve the experience that the customer has. One that I think of is like, so another medium where a lot of this stuff happens is, like I would say social media, but more specifically Twitter for some reason, mm-hmm. because it's just like so like quick conversational yeah. type interactions. There's no like gating you can tweet to anybody anywhere. Yeah, that solves a big it's problem. like you have yeah. immediate access to them. It's hard it's to, you can't do something like that on Facebook. Yeah, you have to like find people and friend them and do all that. Yeah. Twitter has no gates. So yeah, or you have to like go to the company page and like leave a comment that's just probably going to be forgotten. About, yeah, you, know? you have to like it's moderated. And yeah. But so uh, a good example on Twitter is Charmin, actually. You're going to have to <laughs> tell is, me about that. This is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So um, Charmin is a Procter & Gamble company. Mm-hmm. So like big corporate entity. Um, but they're known for their funny tweets and for their direct engagements with their customers. Um, where somebody will like complain about their Charmin toilet paper. I don't know who does that on Twitter, <laughs> but like pe- people actually. So, so the point is, Charmin, Charmin can't necessarily call you right. every time that you buy toilet paper, but there are other ways that they're finding they can improve that customer experience. And one of those ways is through Twitter. So like when somebody tweets at them, if it's serious or funny, they'll reply with a serious reply or a funny reply. There's You can like search different Charmin tweets. Yeah. A couple other companies that do this, our uh, Waffle House is known for their hilarious tweets. Um, Newcastle, the uh, the, yeah, the like brewery. A oh, it's a beer company. Oh, I'm thinking of White Castle. Sorry. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm the sure. burger place, Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Newcastle is known for their tweets. Skittles. Yeah. Oreo, especially they. And what started that was actually what's been named as the tweet heard around the world. When and the, yeah, I know. What? That's kind of appropriate given that we're here in Boston. Yeah. Right? But um, at the 2013 Super Bowl, the lights went out, and Oreo tweeted something to the effect of like, "You can like as the lights like right as the lights went out, they tweeted a picture of an Oreo in the dark, and it says like, you can still dunk in the dark.'" <laughs> um, Denny's does a lot of that, and what's hilarious yeah. about the Denny's tweets is they do not look, they look like a fifth grader wrote them. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing and they professional. Don't, they don't even try to make it otherwise. Yeah, yeah. You know what would be crazy? If there was like a ton of hoops that they have to go through to get that fifth grader looking tweet to like yeah, get like released. They, like they so have like, revisions. We don't want a disaster on our hands here. We, I mean, it's got to look like a fifth grader, but like a safe fifth grader. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't checked out. The, I'm making a big assumption about what those tweets look like. So. They're, they're like, some of them are in all caps. Some of them <laughs> use no punctuation. Some of them are like ASCII draw, drawings yeah. or whatever. Um, another company that does this is DiGiorno. Yeah. And they do ridiculous stuff. Like recently, they live tweeted NBC's 
uh, airing of The Sound of Music. <laughs> and they were just like, <laughs> they were like, why isn't one of their favorite things pizza? You know? So, uh, I mean, corporate humor, whatever. You, like, you yeah. can only do so much with it. But there's a lot of stuff that we're seeing on Twitter where um, companies like, you know, again, DiGiorno, Waffle House, Skittles, Newcastle, Oreo, Denny's, yeah. they can't reach out to you every time that you purchase one of their products because it's a, a much smaller price point and a much smaller um, like end uh, profit that they have from each sale. But they're finding ad additional ways to engage their community. And, you know, it's like, why? That's that's a way that DiGiorno can set itself apart from other pizza competition. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, and, like, one thing to note is that it has nothing to do with what their products are. Like, yes. I mean, DiGiorno can make bad pizza puns, like, mm -hmm. in every one of their tweets. But, like, it doesn't necessarily make you think, like, their pizza's better. It more, like, puts them at the top of your mind. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. um, and I guess you could, uh, it's like a half user experience from like you know the first touch standpoint and half just a great acquisition strategy yeah you know um i guess like a lot of times i think that we do tend to blur the line a little bit between like are we talking about acquisition or are we talking about user experience um i think you can argue that your acquisition strategy is part of your user experience it's like any mm -hmm. any sort of touch that your company makes to a, a person who might be a potential customer it's the beginning of it, that user experience yeah um i want to switch gears a little bit and talk about user experience from a recruiting standpoint mm -hmm. because that is like the ultimate like person to person like if you get a call from a recruiter interesting um and like they they would not i don't think that recruiters would call you without thinking that there was a chance that even if you're employed you you might be looking and might be trying to find something else mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that first phone call if you manage to pick it up because I know a lot of us, like, I think one of the reasons I stopped picking up phone calls that I don't know besides telemarketers yeah. is now, like, my contact information is, like, out in the web, and mm -hmm. I'm getting calls from recruiters a lot, you know, yeah. in the tech space. So um, if they manage to get a hold of me, that first phone call has got to nail it. Like, you mm -hmm. basically need to not leave a bad taste in my mouth because what I, like, it's under the impression that you want something from me, you know? So you have... A, a really good chance to like turn that around like immediately. Mm -hmm. There's only one example that I have of somebody who's managed to almost like almost do that. A recruiter, um, it was the first recruiter that managed to get my telephone number. Mm -hmm. And recruiters don't call me because I, like for the most part they don't call, they do now because of this I think. Um, but you know, they would only email me, they'd only find me through LinkedIn. Because I didn't make my phone number public. Mm -hmm. But as it turns out, my who is information for oh, my yeah. website has my phone number on it. And <laughs> I picked up the phone and I'm like, after she finished her thing, I just went, how'd you get my phone number? She goes, oh yeah, I looked up the who is information and I like, I was impressed at that mm -hmm. move. Like, I wasn't like, oh, what the hell, why'd you do yeah. that? I was just like, wow. That was, I was pretty neat. Like yeah. I didn't realize that you could be, be that resourceful. And I've like I've worked with recruiters before and stuff. So like I've never seen them do something like that. And yeah. I'm like that's awesome. Even more than being that resourceful, I think of like the fact that you would take the time to look up that information and right. spend that amount of time on like one particular candidate. Because, right. Exactly. I mean, like as soon as I'm sure that you've had the same experience as me. Like as soon as you start working at HubSpot or for that matter any top tech company, you like the week that you start 
you're you're getting emails and LinkedIn messages from recruiters and I, exactly. I mean, I <laughs> it'll be anywhere from four to eight on average per week. Yeah. You know, so it's like you get a lot of exposure to these. It's and, crazy that, by the way, like how good HubSpot is as a company that recruiters bother at all. Yeah. Because usually, like I don't know about you, but like you get hired by HubSpot and it's just like, sorry recruiters, you guys lost. Mm -hmm. Like I'm at a company that notoriously like hires very, very well and mm -hmm. retains. Very well. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I mean, my, my thought behind that is that they're basically, it's like, it's very difficult to vet talent in the tech industry because for a lot of different roles, there's a low barrier to entry to the point where you don't even need an education. Right. Um, in fact, in other cases, an education may be, even if you have it, it may be irrelevant. You know, like we've got a lot of people here that are working with really good degrees that they're actually not using. Yeah. Um, and so it, a lot of it comes down to like your experience and what you can actually do. And HubSpot and other top tech companies like Google and Apple and Microsoft and Spotify and Facebook, they all do a really good job of like vetting this talent and they know like how to put it through the paces. That's why like HubSpot is, is has made the Forbes top 10 list for the right. most difficult companies to get hired by in the United States. Um, so it, it's because of the crazy interview process that, that they put you through. And that's something that you hear about here, you know, throughout the halls. It's like, oh, I remember when I interviewed here. Well, you know, um, recruiters, they can go to these tech companies and they know that all of the people that are working there are automatically uh, like they've already been vetted, right. you know, so they don't have to go through that vetting process. So they're like, oh, if I can hire somebody from Google, like I know that they're probably the real deal. Yeah. So I think that it's kind of like skipping that additional step that they have to go through. And that's the benefit oh, that they're getting out of point. it. Yeah. yeah. And then, but then like you, you look at like, I mean, if, if you want, if, if you think about it from the recruiter's perspective, like how do you create a good user experience for somebody that you're trying to hire? Like you would, you would expect like, you know, spend some time to have a personalized message to look at how long I've been at the company. Like if, I, right. if I've only been here for a week, I'm probably not quite looking for a new job Right, yet. you still don't even know if you like are comfortable. Like you're yeah. still trying out that first one you just got. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting because you, like for, for any company that would be, you know, listening to this podcast, anybody that's interested in UX and growth, it's not just important to grow your customer base, right. but it's also important to grow the people that are working for you and, and that right. are that are going to propel you forward. I mean, that's why here at HubSpot, like one of our big missions this year is to grow our workforce. You right. know, like it's recruit, recruit, always be recruiting. Um, and, and there's an asterisk next to that. It's like always be recruiting the right people. Yeah. And so, like, that's also an important part of your user experience, for sure. Yeah, definitely. We, have, we do, I mean, just because we've experienced it here inside of HubSpot, we do an unbelievable job at this company, kind of, and they, they call it onboarding. It's like, it is just like mm -hmm. employee onboarding, and they bring you in, and it's like, your entire, my experience with, like, even with the recruiter, that was the thing. It's like, this felt very different from, like, your typical recruiting process. Like, the... Shout out to Jason, uh, mm -hmm. amazing job at making me feel like, you know, he understood what I was going to be doing and what I did. And then, you know, being friendly and introducing me to people and kind of like understanding every step of the way. Um, 
and it's it's like knowing your customer, but like knowing the person that works for your company the same the same way. You just understand like what the typical process is and what people are feeling at what times and where their decision making is going to be more or less. And you guide them with a lot of like very smart moves. You 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 don't push, but you you help guide. And mm-hmm. um, it was, I mean, I walked in the door and it was just like let's get going and I felt like I was in the right place at the right time and like even if I wasn't that's how I felt you know yeah. that's like how it was that's how it's it was the whole process was like manufactured mm-hmm. to kind of make me feel like I wasn't stupid and like I like have stuff to learn but like the attitudes are good and like everybody's mm-hmm. like everybody's like helping me and like I don't know how much of it was true but I certainly felt that way <laughs> you know and like that's that's what really matters yeah and then you find your place and you go so there's a lot of interesting studies like psychological studies that have been done around new employee onboarding uh, and one of the big conclusions that we've gotten out of it is that the first three months mm-hmm. that an employee spends at a new company are the most critical in their entire career yeah, they're like employee babies yeah. <laughs> and so that sets the tone for the entire time that they're at the company. Yeah. So if your first three months are like super good, you're going to have a positive like undertone the entire time that you're at the company, even if shit kind of starts to go south. Right. But if it's bad, like that's something that you're not going to get over very easily. Right. And it could get, it could be like a really good, you know, say that you just joined during a time of turmoil. And then after that three months, like it gets really good. There's always going to be that negativity hanging over your head. So um, making sure that like, you know, the I think the re, any any type of onboarding, whether it be, you know, onboarding your customer, onboarding your new employee, and whether it be in the digital space or in the real world, right. making sure that um, you really think that through and uh, bring people quickly to a point where, where they're seeing um, like a a certain type of special value that they're getting out of interacting with your company or working for your company, I think is really important. This is starting to sound like the last podcast. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. (laughs) Um, What do we think though, like going back to uh, human to human UX with customers, Mm -hmm. what do we think of like personalized notes and boxes and stuff like that? Because we kind of touched on that a little bit with Sweetwater. Right. Uh, with like the candy and, and the personalized notes that they have there, but I, I got I, one. Uh, I got one from. Oh, okay. So there's there's two examples. One, mm-hmm. um, I wear these. Um, I only usually have one at a time. Uh, I just break them and get a new one. But these like Italian bracelets that look kind of like very small like Zen beads, but it's like it's not. It's like uh, like stone. Um, and I found this company and they're like a fairly small company. Mm-hmm. Um, and they always handwrite a note every single time. Um, the one downside is that I buy them frequently enough that I, I don't like forget what the other note was mm-hmm. and the notes are the same every time and it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, like this, like I get it, but the magic's gone, like on mm-hmm. purchase number two. Um, another company that I haven't yet seen the magic fail yet, but it's also because I don't particularly enjoy buying this is I bought an SSL certificate mm-hmm. for one of my websites, which is a hassle. It was like, it doesn't matter where you get it, it just sucks to buy that stuff because it's complicated and it's expensive. And I made the purchase and I was like pissed that I had to pay like 200 something dollars to get like, I just, to just change the letter, you know, for the encryption on my, mm-hmm. like it's just like simple, but it took so long. And the company, um, which was DigiCert, um, sent me 
a t-shirt and a note and it was yeah. like hey thank you so much for doing this and I didn't um, there was no prompt to do it I didn't like it wasn't like hey get this free t-shirt if you click here it was like hey like thanks we just sent it to you because like you just spent a, a buttload of money on this and it took forever like mm -hmm. you know and it, even though I don't like buying certificates anymore you know at least they recognize that it sucked to do you know and they like and the shirt is a really nice shirt super comfortable t-shirt so like mm -hmm. I felt a lot better about that like whatever bad feelings I had about that like went away slightly it's yeah. like not not geared toward them it's more like the concept I have a problem so you with. that's interesting because you bought a digital product right and then they gave you something tangible exactly yeah I've I've actually had a lot of notes come through from like small eBay sellers that I've bought stuff from. So like I'll buy, you know, some random thing on eBay. Mm -hmm. And in the package, there will be a little note that says, hey, love doing business with you. You know, if, if you're happy with this, please leave me a review. Right. And whenever I get that, like I see that somebody went through the extra effort to write a note, I'm that much more likely to, like I always write them a review in that case. Right. Which is critical to the success of an eBay seller's store. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So I like, I think that the, just knowing that as a business, knowing that UX exists beyond just the digital medium and it exists at all of your touch points. Right. Like when you're, when you're trying to hire somebody, um, the, you know, the way that your site functions, that's going to be important to them. When you're trying to sell to somebody, the way that your site functions is going to be important to them. But beyond that, like when, you, when you're uh, making the extra effort to call people or to write notes for them or to engage them on social media, that's going to be an important piece of the interaction that you have with your customers. And then going the extra mile in your recruiting process with you know, potential new, new hires and everything like that, it's, it's sort of the same thing. And it sounds like to me the important thing that companies can do is recognize like what space am I in and what's the right way to engage people given that I'm in that space? Is it like reaching out with a phone call? Is it writing a personal note? You know, how scalable is that yeah. uh, for, you know, my product? Or is it just being really creative on Twitter and, and harnessing that medium? Right. Um, but I think that a really important part of this is understanding like that all of those interactions that go beyond just the UX of your website, they have to be as genuine as possible. Yeah. So like if you have some type of additional motivation with that interaction, which let's be honest, like all companies do, even Charmin when they're just making fun of toilet paper, um, the, the, like on Twitter, they, they're not just doing that to make fun of toilet paper because it's fun, there's actually some type of benefit that they're that they're tying to that, and it's more than likely brand awareness, which is right. you know, and that's like one side of the spectrum. And then you can go to Sweetwater, and I guarantee that they're actually tracking, like, okay, Jorge has earned us this much additional money just by making yeah. these calls. Yeah, that's a dead giveaway because he called you twice, and I bet yeah. that wasn't chance. Exactly. But but the key part, I think, to all of those interactions is that they come off as being super genuine. And you're like, it's it's like the same thing that we say when you're creating UX for a website. Like, imagine if you're actually, you know, 
having a human interaction and you're trying to sell something to somebody, like somebody walks into the Apple store, you know, most of us, uh, most of us have bought products from Apple. It's like, it's a good experience that you have in the Apple store. Mm -hmm. You walk in and it's not like the first thing that somebody says to you is, oh, hey, here's your iPad, go ahead and sign on the line, you know, and get the hell out of here. We're not immediately trying to sell you something. We're like building yeah. uh, a relationship with you and, and having a conversation with you. Like, what are your needs? What, you know, what are we trying to get out of this? I don't this know if you've zone? experienced this in the Apple store. Um, mm -hmm. This is, we'll just keep this one quick, but it's, uh, I tend to go in and talk to nobody for like the first, mm -hmm. and they don't come to me at all, Yeah, you know? And I don't know if that's on purpose or if they're busy, but if it's on purpose, I think that's smart because people come in and they start playing around with stuff. And when you start settling on something, it's usually, when I, if I've played for something for a certain amount of time, that's when I usually get somebody to come over. Because mm -hmm. they figure out, like, what are you interested in? Are you, are you even gonna buy, mm -hmm. you know? And if yes, I'll let you get comfortable with something and get the feel for it because like me talking to you isn't going to do that. Yeah. And then let the products be for itself, which is kind of like, you know, an Apple thing that they do. Mm -hmm. um, and then they come over and they see if you need any help or like talk about the product or like yeah. do something, but it's not invasive. And like, that's like a very big difference than like I walk into a Best Buy and it's like the minute I, I hit like an aisle, it's just like, hey, do you need help? Can I find you something? And I'm just like, yeah. no, like I, I haven't even looked at anything. How am mm -hmm. I supposed to do anything? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I guess, kind of where, you know, we're seeing like this, uh, a difference in the company philosophy and as a result, a difference in the performance of those companies. Best Buy has basically become an Amazon showroom. Yep. Like I'm gonna go into Best Buy, I'm gonna look at the tangible yeah. product and I'm gonna order it on Amazon. But the going back to the theme that like, create a genuine interaction, yeah. have some type of measurable result that you want out of it, but don't lead with it, right. you know, and continue to build those relationships. So I think that one of the best ways to learn about like any of this stuff, whenever we talk about this stuff on the podcast, it's like, you know, we talk about all these, all these good things that we've learned and that you can do. But for me, like the, the best way that I've always learned about this stuff is um, by getting out there and seeing how other companies are doing it mm -hmm. and observing that or, or, you know, seeing how other individuals are doing it and, and learning from it. So some good companies that you can follow on Twitter, just since that's like a super easy thing to do. Yeah. And you can watch like how how um, they interact with customers, and there's different ways that you know, like different ways that each company does that. Right. Uh, a, a good start is JetBlue. That's a good example of like an airline that uh, is is really good at quickly responding to um, like customer complaints. Mm -hmm. So somebody has a, a delayed flight, any airline, like you can tweet the airline about your delayed flight and they'll respond. But the, the key thing about JetBlue is that they're really quick and they're friendly and they remedy it fastly. Um, so it's cool to go on there and watch those interactions. Uh, Zappos is like far and wide yeah. known for great customer service, but um, a good, you know, again, since it's public on Twitter, you can go on there and um, get you get a good mixture of the support responses that they give but also just gen generally like human messages like they have a very person-to-person -person tone right. um, and that's an interesting thing that i've actually seen come out of um, different different companies is sometimes they're actually um, creating like personal support rep accounts on twitter or like as much as as much as I hate to say this, Comcast has actually done this, yeah. um, where like you can tweet at Comcast um, a, a support issue, and then you get a reply from a personal account. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting, um, you know, like bringing again like the human interaction. Uh, some companies that are really good at engaging their customers 
are we've we've already mentioned some of these, but um, Waffle House, Charmin is really good. Warby Parker, I think, is one of yeah. the best. They have uh, not just Twitter, but all over. Yeah, you know, all the over whole, the like, whole process. Um, mm-hmm. My brother just bought some glasses from them, and yep. he showed me the whole thing, and I was just like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I like their whole process. Just check them out. Yeah, so I'm I'm wearing Warby Parker glasses right now, yeah. and there was like two phases to my buying process. First, they have like the home try-on thing, mm-hmm. and then like you can actually you send those those trial ones back and enter your prescription and then purchase one. When I got my home try-on, I just like tweeted. I was like, "Oh, excited to try on these." Warby Parker glasses. I didn't even tag them in the tweet. I just wrote Warby Parker in the tweet and they responded to me and they're like, oh, you know, we can't wait to have you trying on our glasses too. We hope you have a good experience. That's cool. And then I bought them and they, I didn't even tweet about the fact that I bought them, but they realized that it was me that bought them and then they tweeted at me again like, hey, it sounds like the yeah. your trial went really well. You know, we're glad you bought the glasses. If you ever need anything, wow, you can clever. reach out here. Yeah, they, so they have like they, really good They went good through the whole media. process of like looking you up and matching your name to your handle. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, right? Yeah, that's awesome actually. And then just funny tweets in general. So like how does a corporation really engage their audience and, and build a community and create that experience without like kind of going overboard. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Newcastle, Skittles, Oreo, Denny's, and DiGiorno were some good examples that I found. Word. Yeah. So I think the big thing is always be optimizing the digital experience, but also understand that like no matter what, the, that full experience from start to finish is going to be perceived by your user and break out of that medium and go the extra mile to make sure that that whole thing is a good experience. I couldn't have said it better myself. All right, so uh, Jorge, if I you're hope listening you listen to this podcast, <laughs> you're great. Uh, also, mix panel, please send me a T-shirt. That's all the time that we have for today. Um, thank you so much for listening. Please, uh, if you have any questions about this stuff, or you want more examples, or you want to run some ideas by us, um, send us a message. Uh, find our contact information at uxandgrowth.com, as well as all the previous episodes. Uh, thanks so much, and have a great rest of your day. I'm <laughs>